and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE Podcast. Got a special surprise. I opened the WWE Podcast Forbidden Door here, and I've got Mary Grader joining me to talk about last night's episode of Dynamite, which I described as weird. She described as flew by, so we're definitely going to talk about a bunch of this stuff. Mary, overall, what'd you think, and how you doing? I am good. Hey, guys, I'm back. I know I've been MMA for uh, a couple months. I've been uh, doing some personal stuff, but I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about Dynamite. I am happy to get back in the horse's saddle, I guess you could say. And, um, yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Did you make a cowboy, you know what, reference that early on in the show? <laughs> yes, I totally did. <laughs> Well, let's let's jump right in. You know what? Before before we actually jump right in, I do want to ask you. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, but I don't really think I got your thoughts. A lot of uh, a lot of news in the last week or two, but I got to ask you about the Cody Rhodes conspiracy theory, Mary. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you have anything uh, conjuring anything up there, or just any thoughts on the whole Cody Rhodes situation before we get into last night's show? I mean, I do. I, I, I it's kind of a surreal. You know, situation, sure. I didn't think it was going to happen, you know, because Cody Rhodes, like, he left WWE because of creative. Like, he was forcing, they were forcing him into this Stardust character, which was great at first, you know. But, like, the payoff was always supposed to be him versus Goldust versus his brother. And they never, they never did it, you know. There was no payoff to that whole entire gimmick. And then, you know, he was just trying to, you know, bank on him being a Rhodes and he wanted to go back into his character um, as his person, as his family, as his legacy. And and that's why he left. So it's just kind of weird. Um, you know, I know there's uh, technical things moving behind the scenes that we all don't know about. He was an EVP. He was part of creative. I've read all the articles that have come out that there was, you know, issues with Tony Khan and issues with the young bucks and, and Kenny Omega. And even in general of when punk and Brian came in and they were getting paid top dollar and Cody viewing him at that stature. And listen, I love Cody Rhodes. I think he's a great talent. I liked him when he was in WWE. I liked him when he was AEW. I know he was not happy about getting booed. And I feel like that is, you know, the smart wrestling fan who is viewing him as, Per se, a Jeff Jarrett or a Triple H with Stephanie with his wife Brandy. Um, so it's just it, it, it's kind of weird to me to see him jump ship, and it's kind of you know for you to be like, oh, I need to be paid the level that CM Punk or Brian Danielson is getting paid. I love you, Cody, but you're not them. You know, those guys uh, defined a generation, defined a movement, divide, you know, defined the indie pickup from WWE when they were the only big dog. Um, so it's a lot of ego. I think it's a lot of pride. I also think it's payday. I think he wants to be that stature of Triple H and a Stephanie or even a Miz and Maurice, like, 
but you're going back to the company that was doing absolutely nothing for you, was doing absolutely nothing with your name, was putting you in this boxes and, and how they always do. McMahon likes doing cartoony things. So with him, if he shows up in WWE, which I, I definitely think is going to happen. I think that's a notch on the belt for McMahon, even though it's kind of like his homegrown talent coming back and, Conspiracy theory, Mary thinks that like somewhat this is kind of a slap in the face to Triple H because everybody knows how Cody Rhodes was uh, burying Triple H in AEW with the throne smashing and the golden shovel and stuff like that. There's a lot of moving parts to this thing. I don't I don't know where is exactly going to do. Do I think that Cody Rhodes is going to come in and be Cody Rhodes? Absolutely. Do I kind of think by November he's going to be in a Stardust gimmick? Absolutely. So that's kind of my whole, like, I guess, like, blanket statement about it. I don't know why it happened. I think it's unfortunate for him. I think he should have stuck it out in AEW. He created his thing. His is baby. But I don't see any other reason other than money being the reason why he would go back to the place that, like, kind of, like, outcasted him and made him a joke what do you think about it yeah I'm kind of I'm on the same page as you are and I had the same amount of skepticism and and you know I don't want to call it pessimism but I, I think it's just like you know taking taking the uh evidence we put in front of us and and, and going based off that I I think you put it I love the way you said you said um about he's gonna go and be Cody Rhodes and then he's gonna be in a Stardust Stardust gimmick by November I think like the best way, I, sorry to be graphic or gross, but, like, the best way for me to think about it is, like, if you put, you know, uh, a really good-looking burger on, or a vegan burger or whatever, if you don't eat meat, we cater to all people here on the WWE Podcast, but if you put that on a, on a you know, plate full of crap, it's still a burger on a plate full of crap, you know what I mean? It's, it's a, my point of being is, like, you put Cody Rhodes in WWE, it's still WWE. Uh, yeah. So Cody Rhodes could be, you know, the greatest. You think about all the people like Brian Danielson and John Moxley, and uh, like they were bright spots in the company for sure. But, um, but you know, there's still three hours of Raw to fill. So give Cody Rhodes 15 minutes, and you still have two hours and 45 minutes to fill with rematches and crap and con. So I just, I don't, you know, that's that's besides the whole point of of, of if he's even going to be able to do his own kind of thing. I, I think he's definitely going to be limited. Um, I'm sure he'll say, you know, the B word a couple times, and maybe they'll even let him drop the S word. Uh, that's something we're not allowed to do on this podcast, but uh, we don't get those liberties. But uh, I, I don't I don't think he's going to be doing any great sco- storytelling. And, and I, I hate to repeat myself, but I kind of said this with Ashley. I said, I, maybe he's doing the Shinsuke Nakamura thing. Maybe he's taking his copious amounts of money and he's just going to enjoy being a father and and not wrestling for the art of it anymore, but wrestling instead for the money of it and easy. And he's done taking rough bumps. I mean, he did randomly put himself through a table of fire for no reason. Maybe that was it for him. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm curious to see how this all plays out. Will it be an excuse for us to watch WWE? It sounds like maybe for a brief amount of time, but I think uh, nobody is special in that company anymore besides Roman Reigns. And even Roman Reigns, everybody is replaceable. Uh, so... I I, I mean, only like, see it going downhill. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. But like, just like going back to the you know the subject, it's like okay, you got Cody Rhodes. 
go to Cody Rhodes going back to WWE is not like this huge signing. It's not like CM Punk or Brian Danielson going to AEW, you know, like it's just newsworthy. It's just newsworthy. I mean, like how much are they going to have for him? He was always mid tier when he was in WWE. Um, he doesn't have the look, even though he has the name to be a world champion. You know, he's a, he's an IC title holder and a u.s champ at best and that's what he was um was he better when he was cody rhodes absolutely did i like the stardust gimmick at first absolutely but there was no payoff to it Mm. then he was just kind of the court jester you know what i mean it was just kind of a joke and i think that like vince mcmahon he could probably and he probably is throwing a lot of money at this dude but it's like he's just doing it to make him the court jester and it'll be like haha i won you know, like you left. Yeah, you created this company, but like you already bailed on your company and like, yeah, come home to daddy. Like, where does he think that he, you know, and, and even going to Brandy Rhodes, like, I don't really have a lot of an opinion about her. I know people don't like her. I heard she's a mediocre wrestler. Like, honestly, I haven't seen her wrestle once. Um, She was in WWE. She was an announcer. Do they actually think that they're going to give brandy Rhodes like a spot on the wrestling on the woman's roster when she's been adamant in aew that after she had her child she wanted to wrestle again like i just don't see like it's got to be a huge amount of money and i just you know i i like again i like cody Rhodes. i i don't have a problem with him i liked his music in wwe i even liked his gimmick going on in aew i i get why people were booing the crap out of him I understand it. Uh, you know, if you are, you know, I, I honestly don't know how much older I am than you, Mimi, but you seem like you're a lifelong wrestling, so it doesn't matter. But, like, watching wrestling, like, throughout the years, like, it just, it, it you know, Vince likes to get, like, ha-ha moments. And, like I said, going back to Triple H, I feel like this is just kind of, like, adding to his, like, ha-ha, I won like, you left, but you always come back, and I'm going to throw money at you, and you're going to do whatever I say, or you're not going to do anything. You're going to sit in catering. And I don't know where his place is on the roster, despite the fact that that roster in WWE right now is slim pickings. You know, like, you say this stuff about Roman Reigns. Yeah, Roman Reigns is replaceable, but yet Roman Reigns was out sick a couple months ago, and they had nothing to do. And what happened? Bobby Lashley suffered for it. Big E suffered for it, and it was just because they don't build anybody up other than him, and then they have the Ronda Rousey situation, the Charlotte situation, and the Becky situation. So I just don't honestly know where these two fit in going back other than a mid-card thing before they become a joke because they have talented people in WWE on their mid-card, and they already don't utilize them. You know, everything that happened with Kevin Owens in the in the Rumble, I was like, Kevin, they better be paying you mad money. But I also think that if Kevin, you know, signed the multi-year contract and he leaves in three years, five years, and he's a little older, but I honestly think that this is a business thing for him. He's like, I'm going to make my money and then I'm going to go back to doing what I do. And if he shows up in AEW or New Japan or ROH, if it comes back, TNA even, even if he decided to go to Impact, Kevin Owens is going to be a huge, huge presence when he goes somewhere else. I don't think Cody has that star power. And that's just my person. He's a great wrestler. 
it's just, you know, it's like Natalia, you know, like Natalia is an amazing wrestler. I love her. I wish she was on top of the mountain, but like her personality, you know, she just can't cut it in certain areas. So the whole Cody Rhodes thing is very interesting to me just from a business perspective and a pride perspective because like he is wrestling royalty and he got shafted. He started very young in WWE and, you know, now he's going back and it and it seems like a paycheck because if he has in his mind that he's going to reach a John Cena level or a Roman Reigns level, like, uh, you know, like it's going to be like really hot when it happens, you know, he's going to get that push and then creative is going to have nothing for him. Like you said, Shinsuke, like Shinsuke, like Jesus, man. Like, what's going on, dude? Everybody knows that guy is talented, blah, blah, blah. And it has been, like, the most, like, run of any title I've ever seen in that company. But that's kind of what is going on in WWE right now. So. Yeah, I think he's just enjoying being able to surf and uh, make his money kind of doing something that he likes. And, you know, funny enough, like, maybe some people enjoy it there. You know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. I, 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 I can speak for myself as I look at it like this terrible place, right? But, like. You know, Seth Rollins swears and lives and dies by WWE, so you never know, uh, you know, who's enjoying themselves there, and, and, and you know, everybody's got their own experience, so, uh, you know, I'd love to be proved wrong, I really would, because that would mean that there are two good wrestling shows out there that I can watch rather than one. I, I love that. being proven wrong, Mimi. I am, I'm completely about that, you know? Like, I, I love having egg on my face. I love it, especially when it comes to wrestling because, mm-hmm. like, you see these people and you want them to succeed and you want them to be, like, huge and you see potential in them. Like, Seth Rollins is one of my favorite wrestlers, but, like, dude, I think he would be, like, stratosphere if he was in AEW. But, like, I also think, like, he loves it there and whatever because he is a top guy. You know what I mean? So he could be happy. He's always on TV. He's always doing it. Like, his current gimmick's kind of annoying, but I still get it, you know? I just... I think there's different levels to, like, being where there is. And, like, Seth Rollins, for some reason, was more marketable than CM Punk. But, like, he's also kind of in the same position that CM Punk is... Was in WWE, but also I think CM Punk was, you know, light years ahead of what Seth Rollins is currently. So I just, you know, everything, everything is a different situation. Everybody's a different person. Everybody's level of happiness is, but like, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn re-signing their contracts with WWE while I'm glad they're happy and that's what they want to do and I'm sure they're looking out for themselves personally I think there is so much more there than is being utilized in WWE right now because of all these boxes and parameters that they have set up for people that are in that company yeah absolutely and and, and I don't know if you've heard I assume um, the Cody Rhodes news really took, took hold and this is not a WWE podcast but I will say it sounds like Kevin Owens might have partially signed that contract as well because there might be a match with Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Um, uh. <laughs> I know we don't have, you know, we won't even touch it with a ten foot pole over here because we're talking about we're talking about a different show. So let's get into it. Speaking of being uh, proved wrong, I was uh, I was proved wrong in my excitement. I think for a good portion of this this battle royale that kicked off. Um, I'm gonna throw it over to you first, but what I will say is essentially th- what this match was was. A bunch of a bunch of madness with a bunch of tag teams, uh, some very coordinated spots, and uh, 
a good showing for Trent Beretta, and then we got towards kind of the end where we had uh, Johnny Hungy, FTR, uh, not FTR, so I think we just had Dax Harwood. Uh, we had Matt Jackson, and we had Kyle O'Reilly, and uh, the ending, I did love the ending, but the ending being that, um, uh, why am I having a brain fart? Uh, Matt, Matt Jackson threw John Silver out of the ring uh, because Kyle O'Reilly's arm, he just couldn't do it, just couldn't do it. And then Kyle O'Reilly throwing Matt Jackson out of the ring and Red Dragon getting the, uh, getting the win and being the first tag team added into that uh, three-way triple, I keep wanting to call it triple threat, it's not triple threat, three-way tag team match. Mary, what what what, are you, what were your thoughts on the match and I guess, um and, and what do you think about this three-way match that was already designated for Revolution? Was it too, too cut and dry? Um. I mean, yes and no. I anytime you have a, like a b- battle royal or like a royal rumble aspect, you know there is going to be weird, quirky things, and there is a reason why they do things. Um, I thought it was a lot of action and stuff, but like the 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 beef or the interaction between the Young Bucks and Red Dragon obviously is for a bigger picture. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? What's going on in the Elite right now? Is the Bullet Club coming back? Who is the ruler? You know, all the things that have been going on with the Young Bucks and Red Dragon coming in, which, you know, is a huge pickup for AEW um, and Adam Cole and, you know, um, I'm sorry I'm forgetting his name right now. Switchblade. Uh, Jay White. J.Y., all these guys coming in right now, you know, the bigger picture is is that Kenny Omega is going to come back at some point, right? Um, obviously. And, you know, he is basically the face of AEW, in my opinion. And Adam Cole coming in from NXT and getting out, you know, before the, the, the ship sunk, per se. And Adam Cole was red hot in NXT, and, like, he's white hot now you know so there's going to be that confrontation between omega and adam cole at one point who is the leader of the elite and like or is it the bullet club now and and you have all these other factors of people coming in and jumping ship you know that's why i really wanted aj styles not to resign and like show up in AEW because it causes all this conflict and stuff um I, I I don't have any complaints about it. I mean, if the end game is, you know, this is leading to this uh, potential breakup of the elite or the reforming of the old school Bullet Club and who's the actual leader and Adam Cole and Omega facing off because, it, you know, it seems that Adam Cole has infiltrated the elite. You know, and he's got friends in the Unbucks, but he's bringing all his friends in while Kenny Omega is gone. And you're like, you know, where, where, where are the good brothers and stuff like that? Um, so I don't have a problem with any, any of the way that it ended. Um, you know, you knew one of those teams were going to be in there. Um, for the triple threat match that's kind of been kind of planned up. But I I try to look at that whole entire scenario because AEW is very good with long-term storytelling, something that you don't get in WWE. And I'm a personal fan of a slow burn. There are points where it could become too long, but in general, I love building things because it makes sense, you know, and and you know the fan isn't stupid what they're watching right now. So I don't have any problem with that. I was just kind of like, okay, what's going on now? Like what what part of this adding to what Omega comes back and, and sees that his whole entire team, his group, his people have been infiltrated by Adam Cole, the, you know, the smarmy, swarmy 
bad dude who's just like, you know, I'm coming in, I'm the hot thing. You can see how big of a pop I get. I have the biggest song. Like, what now? You've been gone. You know, you're old hat. You know, so I didn't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, you got you got into the post match a little bit there, and what we could talk about that in a second as well. And I'm I'm with you. I love the ending of this match. For me, my my issue was is it felt like two totally different matches. It felt like we got the ending of the Bad Warrior, and the whole thing in the beginning kind of just seemed like they they were just. And I don't I didn't write everything down or whatever, and I don't mean to pick it apart, but there were just if you go back and actually dissect that beginning of the match, there were so many spots that just made no sense. Uh, and it was there was a cool standoff even with Trent and Santana, but then. You have to help me with the name. I'm going to forget it. But that that kind of suplex that looks like they break their freaking neck every time they do it. Uh, like a T-bone looking suplex or something like that. Um, Not a German. No, no, no. Uh, I don't think so. It's like when they it's like they do like a full Nelson and then do the suplex. Oh, gee. Uh, I want to like call a it a T-bone. Someone, someone's Sorry, screaming at their phone at me right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Somebody's totally underhook suplex like... I, uh, you know I, what I'm talking about, right? Like I know exactly. I can picture it. I just don't know the the specific name because you know people name their moves sometimes too. Uh, it's, it's, really not exploder, ex, it's not an exploder. It's not an exploder suplex. Be. Exploder? It might be. I don't. Well, Trent. My whole point was Trent did one to Santana, and like right. And I'm all for no selling stuff. Like we could talk about Hook, but like <laughs> it was just a quick. Like, there was a slight sell, and then it just it didn't to me. They lost. It was a very good personification of for my issue with AEW as a whole, for the most part, which was they lost. They they love the overarching thing and where they're trying to get to, but the journey isn't nearly as enjoyable. And that was my issue with this match. I love the ending, and I really love the ending with Kyle O'Reilly fainting the injury with his arm and all of that. I thought that was a really good way to play it. And John Silver being completely over. We were talking about how the crowd was hot. I thought like really hot for this. Yeah. Uh, and it was all, like John Silver's in the ring with a member of FTR, a member of the Young Bucks, and a member of Red Dragon, and he's getting a chance. It was awesome. So uh, they're clearly doing a great job with him. But uh, I just like the journey to get there is the problem. Like the ending, like you said, with this long-term storytelling is great. Like when we get to Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega at Full Gear, it's great. When we get to Adam Cole eventually against you know uh, Hangman Page, or when we get to Adam Cole eventually against uh, Kenny Omega. When we get to the Red, Dra- Red Dragon versus Young Bucks, it's all going to be awesome, right? But, like, the journey sometimes is where we miss a couple things. And, like, we get these super long, drawn-out sagas where, you know, Andrade is trying to buy Sting's son, Darby Allen. That's just so <laughs> unnecessary. Um, so I-, I-, I enjoyed this towards the end. I just thought a lot of it was, unne- like, just wasn't good. It wasn't a good match, but it had a good ending. And, you know, uh, that's all, I guess, the really important part. The only thing I will say, too, and before we get into this post-match, is I don't know about you, and you mentioned NXT and Adam Cole. Yeah, Adam Cole is hot for sure. I I, I think Kyle O'Reilly still has the NXT stink, like cool Kyle. I don't know if you watched any of NXT towards the end of the black and gold brand finishing up, but it was it was miserable. Uh, and Kyle O'Reilly <laughs> was not, uh, you know, this is back in the highs and lows days, but this is not, uh, Kyle O'Reilly was not connecting. Um, and, uh, and I don't know if I just have some stink on that because I thought he had a couple of good lines and, and some backstage stuff later on the show, but, and, and those kicks looked awesome, but I just, I don't, ugh, he, he, there's something about him that's just bugging me. And, and, and to me, I guess it must be the NXT stink if I can't put, put my finger on it. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if it's an NXT stink because like, you know, 
I didn't have a lot of exposure to Red Dragon when they were in ROH. I knew who they were, you know, and then they came into NXT and I, I, I thought they were a great tag team. They are a great tag team. I think they're one of the best tag teams on the planet. Mm. Um, I think like their whole gimmick, I don't even know, if, like I said, I don't think it's a stink. It's just they're wrestlers. They're not trying to sell you on their persona or stuff like that. Very much like a Daniel Bryan. I mean, Daniel Bryan, if you look at Daniel Bryan in the beginning of his career, he was just a pure wrestler. He was like a Bret Hart, you know. He came into his own with his persona after that, after the mm -hmm. fact, just proving that he was a good wrestler. And I think that Red Dragon is is very, very much like that. If I'm If I'm looking for, like, you know, promos or gimmick stuff or, like, a look, I'm looking – at Bobby Fish. I'm never looking at Kyle O'Reilly. And that's not like a, a cut at him or a dig at him. Kyle O'Reilly's kind of goofy looking dude. Um, I just think that like, you know, he's that guy who's in that group of guy friends that you had that was like kind of the guy who laughed at everything. But like when things got serious, he got in your face. And that's, that's basically what his look is. So I get where you're saying like a cool Kyle O'Reilly. I don't, I don't really think that, like, he's actually jonesing for that. He's just a dude that is very good at what he does, and, like, everything else around him, like, it shouldn't matter. Like, and he comes off as a goofy kind of guy, like, you know, I, he's just, he he's an obscure-looking character, but, like, I don't ever focus on that. I focus on the fact that he's really, really good in the ring, and I think that's kind of also a lost art because, you know, sports entertainment, like you were saying, like, AEW's kind of leaning into sports entertainment. I think, like, you have to in some degree, but, you know, being exposed to WWE for the last decade I mean, I, I don't know how long you've been watching it, how old, like I said, I know you're younger than me, but like watching it from like the early 80s or the mid 80s to now, nothing's going to be as bad as what WWE does to just try to be like some like variety show and not a wrestling show. So... I, I, I don't I don't think he has a stink on him. I'm looking at him as part of a tag team, and he's more of the enforcer, even though Bobby Fish is brutal in the ring. Anything that personality-wise or, like, trying to have, like, you know, their talking points or their voice point, I'm always going to look at Bobby Fish. I don't, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I'll look at his facial hair for sure, man. That's the best facial hair in professional wrestling, without Absolutely. a doubt, Bobby Fish. Um, no, I feel, yeah. like, I feel like Kyle O'Reilly looks like what Vince McMahon thought CM Punk looked like. Yeah, that's real. I'm, I'm sorry. You're kind of stretching it. <laughs> but you, I know you don't see it. I don't know. Maybe again. And by the way, congratulations to Kyler Riley, right? New dad. So yeah, all, all things aside, but I'm, you know what? Also, I'll just admit subjectively, he's fighting an uphill battle for me, but I, I totally hear what you're saying. Um, well, Speaking of another thing, uh, no, not fighting an uphill battle. We had a post-match, I was going to say. Uh, I know you talked about this a little bit, but obviously after the match, the Young Bucks and Red Dragon are, you know, going back and forth. Uh, what's it called? Understandably so. Uh, but Hangman Page comes out and starts beating up uh, all of Adam Cole's friends. And then Adam Cole obviously comes out to make the save uh, from what I remember. And, and Hangman Page and him go at it. Young Bucks you know, an homage to the uh, ending of that full gear match, kind of say, go, go for it. We're, we are not, uh, we're not going to stop you. Obviously pissed at red dragon. And then, uh, hangman page cuts a heck of a promo for sure. Talking about burying Adam Cole in a grave, essentially. And I'm not going to try to do it any, any justice, but, uh, 
Boy, Hangman Page felt like the world champion here. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been itching for something where Hangman Page and the world championship feels like the most important part of the show. And I'll admit, later on as we got through the show, there was some other stuff that I'm way more interested in. However, in this moment... This, this spot on the show, this felt like the most important thing in AEW. So, all right, we had a little little technical difficulties over here, but as I was saying, I was talking about Hangman Page and Hangman Page's promo. Mary, I'll throw it over to you. This was this was, I hate as as the kids are saying these days to just to age myself for you. There, this was pretty fire. Yeah. Um, again, as I was saying before, we had technical difficulties. Um, I like Adam Page. I think he's a good champ. He feels very uh, old school. Um, kind of like late 80s, early 90s champ, like a, like a WCW champ or an NWA champ. I don't know about, about him. I know it was a huge payoff. And, I, you know, I've been transparent even when I was doing the Rampage podcast, what I could. Um, I was paying attention to AEW. I wasn't watching it weekly. I, you know, I have been a WWE lifer. Suez Punk came on the scene. And, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, he's my favorite wrestler. I've been watching AEW since. So um, I like all this stuff. I, I feel there's a truth in, like, we get mad at WWE when they like, you know, push a push a character down or throw or they make the people that are champions have these huge huge personas and stuff like that. Some people aren't meant to be that and they're just who they are. Um I don't think like Adam Page needs an over the top character to be over as a champion. I think he's a fine champion. Um, I think everything they've done with him is great, and and he's very good on the mic when you know he needs to be, and I think he's proving that. I I like that they're getting him into more programs and stuff like that. I just there was a little slow, you know. He became champion off of Omega, and I mean Omega is like this huge personality in the room, and it's like how do you follow that? But like I think enough spoke that it took him two years to get there, and he got there, and he won, and he was a champ, and all the problems that he had with, you know, the elite and being in the elite and all that stuff, it all played into it. It was a good payoff. So, you know, he had a great promo. It was, it, it, it was, it was stating the obvious and, and doing it in the right way. And it wasn't felt like it was forced or scripted or anything like that. He's one of those wrestlers that is just like naturally organic and I don't think you need to do much with him, even if he hasn't had a title defense and stuff like that. Like when he needs to come out, he gets a huge pop. He's very likable. He's a good champ and he doesn't feel like a paper champ. And there's just a lot of pieces that go into this when you're watching all these different kind of federations and what you expect a champion or the main champ to be. Um, but I feel like he's just, you know, he's not stone cold. So anybody out there who's, who's going to be like, Oh my God, like stone cold, but he has that stone cold feeling where it's like, I'm the everyday dude. You know, I drink beers. I have a wife and kids. Like, this is what I do. And I'm really, really good at it. He's, he's that. So when he does come out with those promos, you realize why he has he has the title on him. Do you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense at yeah, all? Yeah, no, absolutely, and I know what you're saying. But no, I, I I hear you about he does. He just has he he's he's the guy right now, and you know, and it's credit to yeah. AEW and the storytelling, of course, to get him there. Um, but it also credit to him too, right? You can tell a great story, but if the guy doesn't connect, the guy doesn't connect. And and you can tell the minute Hangman's music hits, he connects. You know, and, and there's still, with all this awesome stuff going on, we're going to talk about it later on in the show, right, with a bunch of other, you know, arguably bigger names, obviously, 
he still feels like the guy. Sometimes we need a little bit of a reminder of that, but the crowd reactions definitely do that for me too. So I couldn't agree more. And, and I love, you know, you said it before about what the story is getting into. I don't, I don't think, I don't think anybody needs a navigation to get there uh, as to we're having Kenny Omega and where the super elite is. And, and I'm super into all of it. I think the episodic TV of it could get a little bit better. And this after the battle Royale segment, you know, the promo segment in the, in the beat, I don't want to call it a beat down. Uh, the run in from Adam page was definitely a uh, step in the right direction. Uh, but I think I always say, I think Kenny Omega has a little bit more new Japan thought, like, you know, storytelling rather than episodic AEW storytelling. And I'm not saying this is all Kenny Omega, but I think that's, that's where this needs to just change a little bit. We got some awesome episodic storytelling later on, though, and, and we're we're going to talk about that. But first, we got to get. But I also, get... oh no, well, go ahead. not to cut you off. No, I'm not. No, I'm please sorry. do. Uh, but like, I I get what you're saying about the new Japan thing, but the the other thing you have to look at that even though like you know we crap on WWE and I will do it whatever. You're in the States. That That's the kind of program that you have to have. You have to have episodic things. That mm-hmm. is the culture that we are brought on, you know. So they're trying to do it, but they're also not trying to turn into that other company. So it's a very fine line that they're walking right now. Um, it, it is possible to have episodic television in a wrestling show and it be engaging and it being good. Sometimes less is more. You know what I mean? And you don't need somebody like Hangman Page. He doesn't have to do, like, this whole show. And that's why I, I feel like I said, he's almost like there. an old school. He's a throwback to, you know, when professional wrestling right before the boom in the 90s attitude era was. Mm-hmm. It was okay. There was still cartoonish pieces to it. But you had people like Bret Hart and other people who didn't really have to say a lot and you knew he was a champ and the second he came out pop you know what i mean he just has that and i think that's something very good to have in that federation where you're navigating being on american television being an american federation or a territory or whatever how you want to say aew is knowing to walk that fine line where you know that WWE overkills it and it's too much and some of it doesn't make sense and they they forget storylines and plot holes and all that stuff. AEW has been very good with not having loopholes or plot holes and being consistent, even if it's a little too much storytelling or a little dragged out and stuff like that. They are playing to their wrestlers' strengths. And I think with Hangman Page – Again, I think he's a great champ. He has that old school feel to him and less is more with him. But when he needs to turn it up, he's going to turn it up. But like you said, he comes out and there's a huge pop. Like how many champs do you have like that when they're not getting as much story time and they're not getting, you know, they're not Brock Lesnar. They're not like on TV all the time. But like you come out and you're like, that's my champ. And I'm proud that that's my champ. He's got something special there. So I'm just, you know, trying to think about it in like a whole kind of spectrum of professional wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's a good way to look at it. And I haven't thought of it like that. And you're right about there needs to be a certain balance and striking a certain balance. And we just talked about before we got on to about kind of they're they're experimenting a little bit. You know, things mm-hmm. that the format is changing up a little bit. And, you know, this week we opened up with a match to start off for sure. But but for the last couple of weeks, it seems to have been a promo. So they're definitely 
miss like me- messing with the format a little bit, not in a bad way, but just trying new stuff to again. I think, like you said, find that balance of of being able to tell these awesome long term stories and 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 also make it entertaining on a week to week basis. And and I always say there's like a there's a good version of something and there's a bad version of something too. And uh, and then there's all the everything in between. But this is definitely a good version of long term storytelling. Like I said, I pointed out another version of a bad version of it. Uh, but yeah, no, I I I couldn't agree more. And um, and I really want to talk about this uh this uh if you couldn't tell this MJF uh, promo. Oh boy! <laughs> so for anyone who didn't see this, and for some reason you're listening to an AEW Dynamite review show, get get stop listening to this podcast and go uh go look this up. But I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try to do it any credit. But long story go away, right? We have. Uh, I'm skipping the Brian Danielson interview, but we can talk about that when we get towards the match. Uh, long story go away. We have MJF coming out and cutting almost more of a babyface promo than anything he did in his home state of uh, um, Long Island. Uh, talking about how he was bullied as a kid. Uh, and they threw quarters at him, and CM Punk was, he just wanted to be like his hero, CM Punk. And, uh, and when CM Punk quit and he left WWE and he left all of us in 2014, you know, uh, MJF felt abandoned, he went and did football and all this other stuff, and then he decides towards the end, he says, I'm gonna be, uh, the best professional wrestler in the world, I'm trying not to swear it, despite CM Punk. Uh, and, and we get CM Punk coming out, right? No music, which to me was a, important. And CM Punk doesn't wait to come out. He comes right out after, uh, MJ makes his promo. And, and MJF's promo was great, yes. But I think you and I, I, I don't think we're gonna struggle to compliment CM Punk here. His reaction was so, like, Paul Heyman talks a lot about reacting. And that's, like, a, such a lost art, and especially any pro wrestling storytelling anywhere reacting and just the appropriate amount of reactions not your nxt shock kickout face reacting and not like mm-hmm. a lack thereof but like just the right amount and cm punk felt so real and he felt like a smart kind baby face not a stupid baby face because i i don't know about you I'm, i might be you know showing my hand right now but i have a feeling this is a ruse of some sort uh and he comes out and he's like is that true was that whole really like s- sob story true and uh, MJF just walks off, and you're, are you waiting for somebody to attack him from behind? You're waiting for the next thing, but no, that's it. Mary, before I talk about this anymore, I'm going to throw it right over to you. Uh, what, what, do you what do you got? There are so many layers to this. It's First off, We're going to miss know, it. We're like, not going to cover everything. <laughs> but, um, I mean, everybody knows Punk's my favorite wrestler in the world, and... Um, the realness to this like you you forget because punk doesn't look you know everybody knows punk's the old dude in the in the building right now but he doesn't look that old you know and people have a problem like concepting how much seven years is especially when you're somebody who is mjf's age you know mm-hmm. he's he's 20 years a little less by the younger way than punk. that's about our age difference just so we're clear yes yeah so you know you got you got CM Punk, who was a huge wrestler in, you know, 2010s, and, and he was in his late 20s, early 30s when that was going on, and and people don't re- recognize that seven years, seven years, like, felt forever because he was gone, and then he came back, and but Punk's, like, you know, older now. He's, he's 42 years old, and then you have MJF, who is probably one of the best, if not the best, brightest star 
professional wrestling in his 20s right now, Mike-wise at least. You know, I won't get into technicalities about wrestling or whatever. I feel that sometimes the mic holds more heart than your your in-ring go. It helps, but mm-hmm. – you know, there there's far a few between of good promo guys who are genuine and like MGF just, you know, from what I know about him, I'm still learning about him, but I've known about him. Like even when I wasn't paying attention, I knew who MJF was. He is doing this old school thing and he's cut, you know, he's not going out of character when he's meeting fans and he's a complete dick and all that stuff. And he's great. And he's kind of, you know, the modern version of punk. When punk came to AEW, everybody was like, Oh, you got to see MJF and punk. Why wouldn't you want to see that? You know, mm-hmm. best Mike man of the last 20 years. And, and this guy who's hot, you know, and, and he's rising that I was watching that and I was glued to the TV and I put out a tweet and I was like, that was master class. That was a masterclass promo by MJF. He used everything that he could use to make it as real as possible. And you are absolutely right. Punk's reaction was because if you get down to like Punk, yeah, he's and he's a jerk and you know he's an a-hole and he's all these things and he's pompous and he always says even when he is a baby face that that is who CM Punk is and he has no apologize apologies for it. But like when you go to him as a character, he is that guy. He is the guy that stuck up for people who were being bullied and the underdog, and he is the underdog. And at the end of the day, he ended up doing what he was doing for those kids. You know, he he is from that school. He is from that genre. He is from that class. Those are the people that I went to high school with. That was the group that I associated with. So for Punk to come out there and be like, is this true? He's feeling if, you know, this is obviously, you know, wrestling, but if you look at it from a human perspective, that's going to devastate him if he knows that's true. You know, if, if MGF is being sincere about what he said and everything added up, you know, with the picture last week when Punk came out with the picture, dying. Perfect. Do you? Because that just shows the age difference and how it is. And they leaned into this thing where MGF is now a professional wrestler. And when he was a teenager, you know, preteen, whatever, that was his hero. And I believe that 100 percent. Because if you can't relate to CM Punk as an outcast, despite whatever you are, what kind of thing you're into, like being an outcast is still being an outcast. We all have the same thing. The reason why we are outcasts, of course, that's his hero, even if he looked nothing like him, you know. So that was it is the best thing I have seen on AEW television since I've been watching it. Um it was a babyface promo. It shows that if MGF ever decides to go babyface, he would. As to say, you know, if that was a ruse by Punk, I've been waiting, you know, I think his whole gimmick is a ruse. You know, Punk is going to turn at some point. Everybody knows it, but right now it's still too fresh. He is still one of those guys that came back. We never thought he was going to come back. Everybody's going to enjoy it. And even when he goes heel, people are going to love him more. So I, I can't tell you if that was a ruse or not. You know, that's the master. master I can't say the word right now. That is the master of what CM Punk is. But MJF is also very good at it. So on the other hand, you're like, is this a ruse from, from MJF? 
despite what it is, it, it works so well and it was beautiful. And I was just like, holy crap, what is going on there? That is that level. And it feels like finally we've got CM Punk's first, first real long-term feud. This could wrap up at Revolution. This is going to go for as long as the two of them are in that federation together. And this is something special. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, it's funny, I didn't even think about it being a, a ruse on, on Punk's part. I, I had really just thought, like, so much of what you said, but, like, with CM Punk, this is, like, your good guy, bad guy storyline, right? At, uh, up until now, it has been good guy, bad guy, right? Bad guy went at good guy's dog. You don't do that. Like, ultimate good guy right now. There is no bigger baby face in the world than CM Punk right now. Uh, I would say even above Adam Cole, right? This is the man who returned to us all. I, I, I joke... I think I've said it on the show before. Maybe I just told Ashley, but I said uh, I have a friend who, who obviously isn't into wrestling and uh, whose mom is very religious. And I was trying to explain to her what this whole CM Punk thing when he returned meant. And I was like, well, imagine like your mom's reaction if, if Jesus came back. Right. Yep. And that was pretty much every wrestling fan in the world at that moment, right? So there is no bigger babyface than CM Punk, and there is no better heel right now in the world. I, I don't care what anybody else says than MJF. Uh, and so this story is just best good guy versus best bad guy. And then here we are, and they add a whole new layer, a new dimension to it, whether or not they do something about this next week and it was all a ruse and there's some heat segment and someone, you know, CM Punk gets beat up again. Maybe we'll see him just get bloodied by the chain. I don't think they should do that. But, uh, or whether or not MJF, it would be in MJF's best interest to wait till revolution to, to really show that this was all just some, you know, stupid stuff or whatever. You know, I'm trying not to swear again. It was just all a ruse, uh, for lack of a better word again. And, um, and, you know, was able to get the win over CM Punk again, uh, just because maybe CM Punk feels bad for MJF. Again, maybe there's sympathy, but it, he doesn't come off like a dumb baby face. That's the big distinction. He comes off like an empathetic, kind guy who I would feel bad too if I were in CM Punk's position. Even MJF somehow, you know, managed to make me feel bad. And, and that's the last thing I'll say about this is that uh, that promo had to be delivered as well as MJF delivered it, right? For us mm -hmm. not to look at CM Punk as an idiot for believing it. For um, having a moment of sympathy for, like, the psychopath that is MJF. Uh, you know, it had to be as good as it was, and it was. I would say it was one of MJF's best promos, and I would 100% agree with you. One of the greatest things on AEW, Dynamite Television at all. Uh, I think this is one of the greatest things in North American, or, like, at least that I'm aware of. I'll say in my in my uh, life lifespan, this is one of the greatest things that I've ever seen in professional wrestling. I'd say top three. This feud in general has so been so unbelievably well done, and it's exactly – like, it is – it far exceeded what I thought MJF versus CM Punk was going to be the first uh, – because when CM Punk came back, we all were saying, all right, so when's the, you know, when's the MJF feud – this is far better than I could have even imagined it to be, and and that's why I'm not booking it. That's why these guys are. But um, anything else, Mar uh, Mary? Before we move on, yeah, from this? I mean, just like to go back. I mean, we could talk about this all day, but like, that's yeah, like I a mean, whole like, think, in itself. think think about it for like two seconds. Like, MG, like CM Punk's kind of looking in the mirror right now, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like this is. If there's ever gonna be a predecessor, like a uh, um. I'm, I'm losing words. I'm forgetting yeah, words. You got it. Predecessor for what Punk has done for the business and being one of the best Mike men ever. Like this is his pupil, you know, mm -hmm. and 
if punk, if this is reality, and I think there is some some truth to this. I do think that MGF was like, I want to be that guy. I want to be as good as he is, and like with a little Paul Heyman flair in it. You know, like there are very far and few between of those guys. I think there's truth to it, and that's when you always get the best wrestling promos and the best wrestling when there is kind of truth to it. And and you you saying that like punk is the biggest baby face right now. I mean. I kind of disagree with that, and that's maybe only because I always look at CM Punk that, like, he's a great babyface because the people love him and they relate to him because who the hell doesn't love anarchy? Who who the Mm -hmm. hell doesn't like going against the system? It's a Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, reaction. Like, the guy who's the everyday guy and the guy, you know, a lot there are a lot of freaks and and weird people in this country who feel out of place if they're not, you know, wearing high-end clothes and stuff like that. Like, Punk's your, your savior. Like, you said punk is the guy who came out of the ground and you might not be straight edge and all that stuff but when i view punk even when he's doing his best like good guy persona i always know that sneak is in the grass i always know because as much as i love him he's a and that's the reason why I love him. He takes no BS from anybody. He doesn't do anything at all and he does what he needs to do for his own benefit. So I think he's looking at his people right now. He's looking at himself in the mirror, and I feel like part of him feels bad because he is fighting for that underdog. Um, But at the same time, he's probably like, oh, my God, this guy's coming for me. He's coming for my throne. And if he feels threatened and he feels he's put in a corner – He's he's just he's he's going to attack and he's going to become the CM Punk that we know in the past. The guy that did the 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 wool over the eyes of everybody in WWE and ROH when he was there. So it's a really interesting demand. There's so many layers to it, like I said, and and I agree with you. I think it is the most compelling program right now in American wrestling um, because you have these two faces of a generation and, and quite possibly somebody who is super affected by CM Punk leaving the business. I mean, I was in my late 20s when Punk left, and I was heartbroken. I literally went to the bar and had a drink. I cried when he when his contract mm-hmm. was up because I was just like, wrestling's, like, done, man. Like, this was the guy that made me interested in it around all this horribleness. What do we do now? So it's, it, again, I, I, the, the, he knocked it out of the park. MGF knocked it. I don't care if he was BSing or not. It, either way, if it was true or not, if it turns into a ruse, the payoff's going to be wonderful from it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and to your point about the, I love, don't get me wrong, I love heel punk too. And, and you know, I think this, I, I think it's coming as well. I think the heel turn will eventually happen. I think CM Punk loves it too. But, I mean, this is a great point to go back to when that eventually, I guarantee he's already thought about it too. But if he, if that is the case, right, this is a great place to go back to, right? Because CM Punk, this whole theme throughout this entire feud has been that CM Punk, the wise veteran, has been one step ahead of MJF at every turn. MJF thinks he's ahead of the game. CM Punk is one step ahead because he is the original, right? He's the original, and whatever MJF thinks he is, CM Punk is the original. And um, But then if this if this ends up being, you know, CM Punk ends up losing at Revolution and he ends up having the wool pulled over his eyes, like you said, by this whole ruse from MJF, it's a great place to go back to and go, hey, I, I, I was sympathetic. I was empathetic. I, I, I was, I was too kind. I screwed up. Like I was, I was the good guy, and it bit me in the, you know what? I got to go back to being the CM Punk of old, the one who, you know, takes no, you know what, and and and, and takes no prisoners, and is, you know, 
I, I don't know why bad to the bone is coming to my head. Ruthless. Sound, he's a ruthless. ruthless. He, yes, please make ruthless. me sound cooler, Mary. Because no, bad no, to the no, bone. No, bad to the bone works. It's just that there's no when CM Punk gets evil. And, like, if you are smart enough to understand the psychology of what he does, and, like, that's, that's you know, that's why I love him so much. He is a brilliant mind. Like, there's always a reason why he does everything. In, in wrestling, out of wrestling, everything. Everything, everything, everything. He is cold and calculated, and he does what needs to be done. So I just think that, you know, when it comes to him, there is always a payoff and he's always thinking and he's always brilliant about what he does. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, there's, there, there will be a reason why he does that at the end of the day, he is the best and that is what he's made himself. So he's going to continue doing it. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, so we had next, we had a backstage interview with, uh, you know, following up with the Brian Danielson one. We could talk about it again towards the main event, but all I'll say is, is, Daniel Garcia 2.0, 2.0 are just, I know you said you didn't watch a lot of uh, NXT, but they were formerly Ever Rise in NXT. They are just perfect at what they do. They are just the best at, at exactly what their job is. Um, so, again, we'll talk about it more towards the main event. But we got the tag team match, which was Death Triangle, Pack and uh, Penta Escudo, or Dark Penta, whatever you want to call him, and, uh, versus Kings of the Black Throne, Brody, Brody King and Malachi Black. And this was something. And earlier on in the in the show, Mary talked about how there are no plot holes. I found a plot hole here. Would you believe <laughs> it? Um, but yeah, I, I mean this this match to me, and I'll say was all. I guess I'll pick it up first. Was 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 a letdown. Uh, I'll say that uh, Penta ended up getting the pinfall with a roll up on uh, well a, a victory roll. It was a version of a roll up on Malachi Black. And uh, and most of this match was uh, was watching Brody King be awesome. There was a really cool spot where Brody King put Pack on Penta's shoulders and then slapped him so hard that Pe- uh, Pack hit a poison Rana on Penta. And, it, and if you didn't see it and you just heard that, yes, you heard me correctly. It was it was absolutely absurd. Uh, there was a really good 450 splash from Pack in this match too, right off the back. But the in ring action, I don't, I don't, it just didn't. I don't think this didn't mesh. This 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 did not have a chance. When, uh, at least to me, as soon as Alex Eberhantos came out dressed like uh, a vampire. So, I don't, I don't know, this was a miss for me, and we can talk about obviously what happened post-match, but just the match itself, I guess the post-match and it all comes together. We had the debut, the lights on and off, someone from the back in AEW just flipping on that light switch on and off. (laughs) It happens so often, it is a trope on that show, I will say. It's, I want to know what's happened more, backstage uh, interruptions or the on and off light switch, because it is... Well, run-ins is in there too, because run-ins do happen a lot. Absolutely, exactly. It's it's getting a little bit much, and it sucks, because I I am, and I've said it on the show, I'm a big Buddy Murphy, Buddy Matthews fan. I really talk about being the best-kept secret. Like, I think there's a lot for him to do. I know it seems like we're just signing another white man who can do cool things in the ring, but I think the guy's got potential, and I think he's a better signing than a lot of the other signings that AEW has uh, has picked up recently. So I just thought this whole post-match of, of Penta during the match somehow managing to make Malachi Black swallow his black mist and that was, like, poisonous to him, but it's in his mouth already, so I don't know exactly what that means. And if the stuff poisons people's eyes, 
how can it be in your mouth? I, I'm sorry. I'm, and Penta, I'm, I'm going to go off, actually, Mary, and then I'll throw it to you. But Penta, Penta just came out as Penta. Yes, he had black gear, and his music was different, and he had Dracula instead of Alex Abrahentes. But, like, he didn't wrestle any different. He wasn't breaking people's arms. Like, he's, I'm not going to pretend to be a Lucha uh, Underground expert, but this is a character from Lucha Underground for Penta, from what I've heard and from what I assume. And apparently it was really cool and awesome and bad to the bone, because apparently that's my new thing. Um, <laughs> like where he was saying. breaking arms and stuff like that, but nothing. He was just, all he did was win with a WWE roll up. Like, this was like a guy, neither tag team could lose because you debuted Buddy Matthews and you've got this new debuting tag team in the Kings of the Black Throne or whatever. And then you debut Dark Penta. Like, they, they, it was too much going on. And this was all, this tag team match was all on the same show where you have a tag team battle royale for a slot at a pay-per-view to be in a tag team championship match, why are these guys spitting black mist at each other? Like, go fight for the titles. Like, this, I'm, I don't need the Fiend lore and all this other crap in my AEW. Like, this is so not for me. I'm cool with the tattoo guys and the goth stuff and the dark stuff as long as it makes sense. They were pushing it here. Malachi Black is making black mist. Not cool. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know, just give me Malachi Black and, uh, Brody King versus 2.0 and get their heat back and just pretend all of this didn't happen. I was even on board for Blind Pack for a minute there. I was really okay with, like, the weird, uh, what's the show, what's the movie I'm talking about? Um, Cobra Kai, well, I can't think, Cobra Kai is the new spinoff, what's the movie? Help me out. Wait, wait, I don't know what you're talking about. Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Karate Kid, yeah, Cobra Kai. Yeah, like, I was cool with Pac doing the whole blind thing, like, like being able to see, and, not, like, I, that worked for me. Fine. I was able to bend, like, I'm just trying to show here. I'm cool with some of the stuff, but this was too much. And, and it's just, and Alex Abrahantes, I also really like, but the man, like, should have just, drew, like, drawn fangs underneath his lip. Like, he looked like somebody going trick-or-treating with Pac. Like, Penta and him looked like they were going trick-or-treating. And it's freaking February, so... That's all I have to say. What do you got, Mary? So there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> Wait, why did Buddy Murphy Matthews come out before Malachi Black like crushed Penta's throat with a shovel too? Like, was there like a miscue there with the guy in the back that Malachi Black cues to like turn the lights off? Like, I I, I just didn't. It it so killed the vibe, and I thought the crowd was hot, and I think even they were all freaking confused. Okay, so like I said, there's a lot to unpack here. One, I will say, I did not think of it from your point of view until you started pointing it out, and you're absolutely right. So that, I'm going to give you 100%. I thought the match was decent, like in ring move and stuff like that. Um, but now that I'm looking at it through your lens, you're right. I'm pessimistic. I'm sorry. Couple... I gave you the pessimistic lens. No, that's fine. I'm a, I'm a huge pessimist. I'm a professional brooder, Mimi. Mm-hmm. You will, you will understand this at some point. Um, so yeah, you're right. Um, as far as Penta coming out as a start guy, like, I don't know enough about it, but if that's what you're saying was going on, okay, yeah, like, he should be doing a complete different moveset. The vampire thing is funny. I did it, I saw him once, and I didn't put that together. That's what he looks like until you said it. So, I, okay. He put, like, red eyeshadow underneath his eyes. I saw that. I just thought he was wearing weird makeup. I just, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't remember if that was, like, part of his thing or not, because I do see him not as much 
when it's just one of them as mm-hmm. opposed when they're a tag team. He seems to speak more and interact. So I just didn't know, like, hey, maybe he's going through a goth phase. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, it, you know, whatever. So as far as – okay, as far as the Kings of the Black Thorn go and with the Buddy Murphy stuff, I agree with you. I totally think that Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews is a huge pickup for AEW. He is getting WWE booking right now because he's being put in something that he does not belong in. And I don't, I am not, I don't even care that he was associated with Aleister Black in WWE or however he is associated with Malachi Black. That guy is either, you know, a cruiserweight, which is what he was doing, or he has some, not like an Australian outright gimmick, just being a wrestler and looking the way that he does. He has a unique look. He's a beast. He's amazing. Like, he doesn't need, like... He looks to huge, be... too. I don't mean to cut yeah, you, but he, he looks, looks jacked. Yeah, he looks huge. Yeah, he looks jacked. He, got, he put on all the weight that he lost for uh, 205. Mm-hmm. So, like, that guy can stand alone. He doesn't need to be part of this group. I... And conspiracy theory, Mary, a little bit here. I thought that the third member of Kings of the Black Forum was either going to be Bray Wyatt. Oh, or, God, no. God, no, or, but, but listen to me. There's reasoning. The fiend, the fiend is going to enter the house. <laughs> listen, listen to me. There's a reason behind it. And I will explain a second because you were saying I'm okay with the goth thing and the blah, 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 as long as it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt not coming back as the fiend or becoming a different version of how Bray Wyatt, you know, morphs into different personas. And you might've hated what he was doing at the end of his WWE run. And I will admit it was terrible. As soon as the Alexis stuff came into it, it was terrible. But before that, and when he first came, it was fucking cool. It made sense. There was a thing there, but it got WWE bastardized. So, I'm not saying that he would come back exactly how he was in WWE, but putting Bray Wyatt in that kind of role, having to morph to that group, his persona would fit. We should go out here. Buddy Murphy looks like a sore thumb with the two of them. He doesn't fit in look-wise, or he's not going to get, like, all tatted up or, like, whatever, dye his hair black. He's some Man. redheaded dude from Australia who's a really good f***ing wrestler. Excuse me, I cursed. I'm sorry. You're good. Leave it. But, and he, he, he's able to do what he does. He doesn't need that group. Or two, I thought it was going to be Karrion Cross. No, Not... Mary, stop. No, oh but my it God. makes sense persona-wise. That's what I'm trying to say to you. It makes sense. They were going to have a third member of the House Black. Those types of people fit into that. Buddy Murphy does not fit into that whatsoever. You yeah, can have it's, other it's, people. It's feud with the Mysterios. Like, it's, it's like the Aaliyah Mysterio. I think, I think that's from what I understand. Honestly, I, that was such a traumatic experience for me during the pan, t- pandemic. And that t- didn't make sense. None of I it blocked sense. it all why out. Why did they put him there? So that's why I'm saying like yeah, WWE booking, they're putting him into something that he doesn't need to be put into. That dude can figure out something for his own. He's that good. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I haven't heard that take yet. Huh? I haven't heard that take yet. I haven't. I've heard people be like, "This was awful," but I haven't heard the fact that like he just doesn't fit. Like this shouldn't. He should, should go do something else. I agree. I think he should have some banger matches. I also want yeah. to hear him on the microphone. Yeah, I don't think he needs the House of Black to get him over. He could have just shown up in the middle of the Unbox and Red Dragon and messed them up, and it would have made more sense. 
Do you get what I'm saying? It's just different levels of persona. Now, I understand that you might not like Bray Wyatt or Karrion Cross and their characters and what happened over there. But what I'm saying is I was talking about big names that are on the market that had like kind of that mystique or that kind of persona or genre or whatever goth thing weird horror thing going on that yeah. malachi black has going on those two guys oh. don't have to come in how they were in wwe they will make it fit this buddy murphy thing isn't gonna fit it's just not gonna work and i think it looks bad on buddy murphy because i do think that buddy murphy is super talented enough to do his own thing, be a singles competitor, not have to be part of a faction right away. And he fits way more over in these high flyers and stuff than this goth thing that's going on over there. Right? Just because he has a history with Malachi Black. Yeah, no, I, I, that makes sense. I mean, I'll take Scarlett Strikers, Bordeaux. Strikers, that's it. They're strikers, that's it. That's the yeah. only thing they have in common. He... It's not any bad thing about him. He just doesn't fit into there. That's the only reason why I was bringing up who I thought would go into the House of Black. Those two situations, even if you hated it, made more sense. Made absolutely more sense because the two of them have been discredited as single wrestlers because WWE messed up anything good or creative that they might have had. All, both of their characters, Bray Wyatt and Karrion Cross, had good or Killer Cross had good things going. It just needed to develop the way it was supposed to develop. You got too many hands in the kitchen. It messed it up. They need credibility right now. I don't think Buddy Murphy needs credibility. That's it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I definitely, he's done a couple shows in Japan from what I've heard, and you, and you haven't heard much about it, So, which isn't always a great sign, right? You kind of want to hear, yeah. like, these people yeah. get released, and you want to be like, you know, oh my gosh, you have to check out Buddy Matthews in New Japan. Like, there hasn't been a lot of talk, but then again, New Japan isn't what it was, you know, so that could be a part of it as well. Um, I haven't gone and seen that match, I'll, uh, just to be frank, I, I actually, that's on the docket to-do list, but, because um, I honestly, I forgot about Buddy Matthews for a little while, too, until mm-hmm. he'd come up with the news the past couple weeks, and, and I hear you about Bray Wyatt and, uh, or Wyndham Rotunda and, uh, and Killer Cross, I, um, anybody who's listened to my shows before, neither of those guys are for me subjectively, I, I, um, I think you're right though about if if I if they if they were going to sign an AEW if it had to happen I'd probably mm-hmm. want them in a faction because I would have to see them less and they wouldn't have to see I don't think either of them are very good wrestlers period either yeah so but they're good they're good like you know performers they have so. they have an audience definitely there mm-hmm. is they have a following for sure and there is definitely a ratings boost that might happen with especially yep. more so Bray Wyatt yes um, I so think I, everybody's waiting for him to come back despite what their opinions are. And look, listen, I am not a Bray Wyatt fan um, because mostly because I feel like he has something really tangible there. And then it just, he got buried like there, like I, and I hate using terms like that because people are going to be like, Oh, you're being a mark and stuff like that. Literally that guy was so popular and what he was doing in NXT was different from anything else. And it was actually good. It was creepy. It was, you know, it was like insanity that when they were down in NXT, I know a lot of the things that they had in NXT were really, really good. And it might not be your speed. They not, might not be the greatest wrestler, but what they made up for that entertainment aspect, they had it and it was, it was new and it, and it made more sense. It was war based in realism 
than The Undertaker. And The Undertaker is one of my favorite wrestlers, but that was like completely off the wall supernatural. And then they tried to like do with that with Bray Wyatt and it just it looked terrible. There was so much a better way to go about him and letting him kind of have creative control. I know he did somewhat, but I also think that a lot of that stuff that happened was, you know, WWE sticking their hand in it like they do with everything else. And the same thing happened with Killer Cross. Like he was huge in NXT. Might not have been your cup of tea, but there was a presence, right? And then he got to the main roster and he jobs as the NXT champ. And then they put him in, like, some ridiculous outfit. And it's like, eh, you know, I think if those guys were put in the right position, they would thrive. They would be interesting. Like you said, you wouldn't have to see them too much. They would be more involved in, like, group tag action, stuff like that. But who knows? You never know. People need to be put in the right position. So just with surprise signings, I knew everybody was saying it was going to be Buddy Matthews. I was just like, but why would you bring him in there when you could bring in Killer Cross or Bray Wyatt and they need them? They need something that is good that they can work with. And I don't think they're, they're difficult people. They just have to be with it. And there's much more creative freedom in AEW. We've seen that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and you know what? Like I said, like we were talking about before, I love to be proven wrong. I love yeah. to be proven wrong, and I am all willing for it. Um, I think uh, I think there are a lot of signing. It's so funny. I heard a news story about WWE not – I mean, AEW not signing new talent. Uh, they were going to stop signing new talent. Similar around the time when Cody Rhodes was um, uh, reported leaving the company, and and, uh, and then we get Buddy Matthews. We get um, – I, I forget his first name, but uh, formerly Isaiah Swerve Scott is also signed in AEW. Uh, rumors that Jeff Hardy is coming to AEW, I think all but confirmed at this point, especially with all this stuff that's going on with Matt Hardy. Uh, so if it happens, it happens. I'd be surprised. Uh, my expectation is I-, I can't imagine why they would sign him at any other time after that then when they were hot. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see Karrion Cross, Killer Cross, and I'd like to see Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda, uh, when the indie scene is back up moving a little bit more, it's already back up and moving, but when we're back up and moving a little bit more, I want to see him do pull a Matt Cardona. Make a name for yeah. yourself. You know? I mean, God, I, Matt Cardona right now. I Woo! know, right? There's a whole Fire, thing. man. Like, I haven't even watched any of his stuff, but, man, that guy is everywhere and good for him. He deserves it. I was totally into the Zack Ryder thing when it first came out. He was doing good stuff. Um, I'm happy for that guy. He deserves it. He and and he really is put the, put the work in right, and so do that. Do and then get get yourself over, and then come to AEW. You know that that would be my that would be my ideal path for anybody like that. But we've got we've got so much more show to cover, and I want to hear your thoughts on this whole Chris Jericho Eddie Kingston segment. <laughs> they went back and forth. Uh, Chris Jericho sucked in the entire time, so power to him. I know that vibe. I get that vibe. Flexing and he looks good. Chris Jericho looks good. No, he dropped some weight, dude. I said it to my boyfriend last night. I was like, yeah, Chris dropped some weight. I I love Chris Jericho. He's like probably one of my top three wrestlers of all time. Yeah, I'm poking. I'm poking at him, but he did. He he looks. He he was sucking it in, but yeah, no, but he dropped. Like he he looks good. He's got. He's got fifty something years old, and he's got a six pack. You know, I won't. I don't have a six pack. Exactly. I'm half his age, and I don't have a six pack. So you know what? Power to him. Uh, but these two guys, again, if you haven't done, I'm not going to try to recap a Chris Jericho, Eddie Ka- Kingston segment back and forth, but there was, there was a little bit of shoot season going on, some Levesque mentions and, and, uh, a lot of Edward and Christopher talk, which is something else. Uh, the only thing I would say that was fairly noteworthy was, uh, obviously, 
uh, Chris Jericho saying uh, what's his name, you know, in, in reference to Cody Rhodes. But other than that, this was basically Chris Jericho saying, Eddie Kingston, you can't win the big one. And if you win and beat me at Revolution, you will have won the big one. I, I really don't have much to say. The only thing I'll say about this is, I don't know, is just a question to throw out there, food for thought, is beating Chris Jericho on a you know mid, mid-level pay-per-view match or whatever at Revolution, the big one? Uh, that's um, all I got. If that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. So I'm from New Jersey. I am from northern New Jersey, as everybody knows. Um, my my one friend came over to the house one night, and I was making him watch AEW. And we as both we said, as we do, as we do to our friends that don't watch wrestling, mm-hmm. and he'll deal with it. He deals with AEW way better than WWE. But he was, like, watching Eddie Kingston once, and he was just like, yeah, we went to high school with that kid. Because Eddie, everybody from this area knows Eddie Kingston. Um, or some version of Eddie Kingston. So first off, the the promo was hilarious to me. It was amazing. Um, I think uh, we read into it a lot because it's Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is still dynamite on the mic. I liked a lot of the lines that he had there. He showed that, you know, he's still one of the guys and you got to do it. Is it the big one for Eddie Kingston? I don't think so. There's bigger matches for Eddie Kingston, but what I do think is putting him in a program with Chris Jericho and having a promo like that last night where people were behind Eddie Kingston and they were kind of going Nick for neck and you know, Eddie Kingston was just being New York. Like (laughs) somebody said to me last night, he was like born with the New York Yankees hat on him. And if you're from that area, you appreciate that. I think it puts him over. It gets him in another stratosphere to show that he can go back and forth, even just like being like, you know, Ralph Crandom. My brother called him Ralph Crandom last night from the honeymooners. And it's true. And again, it goes back to being able to relate to this guy and just kind of he's in a lovable doof like jerk like guy that you're friends with who gets in fights all the times I think it's a big deal for him to be in a program with Chris Jericho do I think it's long term no I think it's over after revolution do I think he wins maybe Chris Jericho does put people over is it the big one no I mean Ed Kingston's got a long long track to go but I think it's good for him for his career and showing why people love him to go battle on the mic with Chris Jericho I mean when you do that that's Chris Jericho is still one of the best on the mic too so I think it's 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 positive for him yeah I hear you I think I think I'm I'm I like this program a lot more than I did when it started and um and I will say I as as a promo this made me want to see the match more than I did before it so it did its job how much did I want to see before it? Not a lot. So we're not like, I'm not, this is like one, like I don't, I didn't need this match essentially, but I understand it's, it's, it, that's I think more subjectively for me. Uh, I, I think uh, I will see how, like where Eddie Kingston is after the match. And if he's more over than he was before this feud, then I will pay, hold my hands up high and say, it, you know, Eddie Kingston, this, this, did its job because I think that's exactly what its job is. I think Chris Jericho is putting himself out there to fully, a hundred percent, let Eddie Kingston get over from him, uh, from having a feud with him. And and I think does Eddie Kingston need that? That's maybe up for debate. But um, I think Eddie Kingston was hot after that CM Punk feud, and and I know obviously he got injured, but 
Uh, I, it almost feels like Eddie Kingston's very start, stop, start, stop. And to me, this feels more like a stop than a start. But I will let you know how I feel after the Revolution match. Uh, and, and we'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong and maybe he will be, uh, you know, hot again. Uh, or maybe he still is hot. Maybe it's just my subjective view on him. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, again, it might just be subjective. And I, and I, I think I'm kind of sick of the, the, this is, this to me feels like the, I don't know, wish version of CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. So, with all that being said, though, uh, we will move, let's move on down to, uh, I'm sorry, my microphone was muted, I'm sorry, I was trying to let you talk, I was gonna say, I think it's gonna come back around to CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Oh, do you? Um, I don't, yeah, down the line, I do, I think that Eddie Kingston right now, you know, nobody thought he was gonna get signed, like, I always, I get into, like, the feel story of wrestling. Like, that's why I watch wrestling, because I like backstories. I like backstories in anything. I feel like Eddie Kingston right now is out to prove himself. You know, he's been talking about... He's been talking about getting back in shape. I really think that he's dedicated to that. Like, you know, he walks around with a beer belly and smokes cigarettes. And I think like, honestly, he's like, you know, I got this opportunity. I'm here. Let's go with Mm -hmm. it. It's going good. So he's running with it. And I think that people recognize that. And he's older, like Jericho said, he's 38. So like, why not give him, you know, the chance to run and, you know, his persona himself carries him. He's a brawler. Everybody loves a brawler. And, I just think that even if he, like, lost, but I don't think he's going to lose, I do think Jericho is going to put him over. I don't know if that's the top for him, but I think it's going to – it's doing what it needs to do. I think they're trying to give him a sure shot. People love him. Everybody loves him. Let it go. Let's let's run with it, and that's a good thing. It might not work out, and then you squash it, you know, but it's better to let it see where it goes. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and like you said, like that—that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm gonna see where he's at, where he's at after this. Um, I'm curious to see what what um, if he's gonna have anything to do with the uh, the, the stuff that we're gonna talk that happened in the main event later on. So, um, next match we had though was Preston Preston Vance Preston Ten Vance, I guess, versus Ricky Starks face of the Revolution ladder match qualifying match. Uh, you know where we've we've run run long with all this stuff. I don't have a lot to talk about about this match. It was good to see Ricky Starks on my television. He's he Ricky Starks is great, and uh, and it was interesting to see uh, to see it's it's gonna be interesting to see the dynamic between him and Hobbs in the latter match. But I guess that's more more for the preview show. The, the only thing I'll say about this is I don't know why Ten is getting a qualifying match when he just lost a match on Rampage, but. Uh, that's all I got. I don't know if you have anything to say about this match. It's, it felt like filler quarter hour television. Yeah, no, it was a filler. It was a filler match. I like both guys. Um, I think he actually got the match because he took out all of security for oh, no yes. reason. Did you, you, here, <laughs> Ashley and I went off about. It. I was like, what? What did? What happened? I was just laughing. I was like, oh, he's having a moment. He just had like an episode all of a sudden. <laughs> It had no rhyme or reason, and I was like, what's going on? And then I just started laughing because he was taking everybody out. I was like, all right, whatever. This is making me laugh. It's cool. I don't care. But that's why he got the qualifying That's why he got the And Brody King, yes. then, I guess, should get the next qualifying match because I yes. forgot to mention that he just mauled some of those securities <laughs> earlier on in the night. Oh my yeah, gosh. so um, I don't have a lot to say about it. Ricky Starks is cool. I think of him as like a thin rock. He he amuses me. Um, that's a good and, way yeah, to put it's it. Gonna be interesting. 
is a good way to put it. He, he's like a thin rock. He's like this little tiny version of the rock because he does talk like the rock and he has mannerisms like the rock. I enjoy him. Um, yeah, it's leading to them being in the ladder match together, which, you know, is going to be cool, but not a lot to say. It was a fuller match. Like you said, it was a good match. I'm a little yeah. nervous about Ricky Starks in a ladder match, too. I'm not going to lie. But, again, I'll, I'll save it for the preview show. Uh, and we'll talk about what we talk. I guess we covered mostly about this whole Red Dragon Young Buck stuff. They had their little backstage segment. More mommy mm-hmm. does this, daddy does this. You know, Adam Cole, why can't with mom and dad just get along? <laughs> I'm sorry if I just triggered anybody at home. It's true. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and then we had our, our designated women's match, which was Jade Cargill versus the Bunny. Listen, honestly, I don't know if you know about this. This uh, remember when Rampage and the bu- uh, Rampage and the Bunny, Rampage and um, and SmackDown went head to head because SmackDown added that extra half an hour, and there was like FS1 something. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Bunny, the Bunny's match on Rampage technically beat the. Uh, 18 to 49 or whatever demographic it is. Not the actual viewer, number of viewership, I don't think, but the, in the 18 to 49 demographic. The Bunnies match beat Roman Reigns on FS1. Mm-hmm. So the Bunny is a bigger draw than Roman Reigns. Absolutely. Uh, I've so been we had that for a while. Jake Cargill, <laughs> who is just money, and we had the Bunny, who is just, you know, the demo god, the new demo god. Uh <laughs> ratings rabbit apparently something like that i'm gonna keep i'm, I'm not I'm gonna stop um but all, all jokes aside i thought this match really over delivered uh i thought it went a little long uh and we could talk about the post match but overall you know jade cargill obviously winning uh, with that jaded i thought the way the bunny took the jaded was great uh but i thought this match over delivered from what it had the potential to be um i don't I don't know. I don't have a lot of opinions about it. Um, I thought it was a good match. It, it might have went a little long. I, I know that Jade is, you know, still learning, and it seems like she's getting better every week. Green like money. Um, Huh? I said she's green like money. Oh, yeah, you faded out a little bit. Uh, yeah, she's green like money, So, but she's getting better, and it's just displaying her dominance and... You know, Bunny, I love the Bunny. I, I, She's, like, one of my favorite female wrestlers in AEW. I like her gimmick. I like that she's crazy, but she's cute, and she cuts herself open and bleeds on matches and does stuff like that. So I don't have any complaints about it. She's going to keep going on a rampage until somebody stops her, and I don't know who that is. Yeah, the, the Bunny, I forgot to mention that, too. The Bunny is the best bleeder in all of professional wrestling. I made that statement after that match. I made that statement on this podcast. The Bunny is the greatest bleeder. Uh, sorry, Hangman Page. Sorry, you know, Cody Rhodes. Sorry, anybody else. Sorry. The Bunny bleeds better than anybody else, man. That match was wild. Uh, Give me two seconds. I'm sorry. You're fine. Um, we'll talk. We'll, I'll, I'll keep going down on this match. What's next? We had um, uh, entering Ty Conti after post-match. She says she's next. Well, sorry, I, I apologize. Tony Schiavone goes in lovable Tony Schiavone, who I forgot to put over as well, by the way, during the um, oh, oh, uh, the MJF promo. Uh, Tony Schiavone, who always just talks about how much he hates MJF, even was like, oh, I kind of even feel bad for the guy. Uh, but so, yes, we had Tony Schiavone come uh, down to the ring to interview Jade Cargill, and Jade Cargill grabs the microphone from away from him. I don't care who it is. That's always a heel move to me. 
We all love Tony Schiavone. Uh, and she basically says, who's next? Ty Conti comes out. I don't know where Ty Conti is in the ratings. I don't know, whatever. But this, I guess, makes sense. I don't think this is necessary for Rampage. Not Rampage, excuse me. I don't think this is necessary for Revolution. I hope they just keep it on a Dynamite or a Rampage. I can't remember if they announced it yet. But uh, that Ty KO looked great. Uh, talk about green. I think Ty, Ty, Ty Conti's definitely improved. And I think she actually won the most improved female wrestler just the most improved wrestler at all uh from the uh, dave Meltzer awards i know they're called something else but that's what i call them uh but yeah she hit the tie ko and with uh jade and she sold that pump kick by jade cargo really well this makes sense to me this you know logically but to me I, it's not exactly um must see television i don't know what your thoughts on it are but uh functional i mean yeah, I guess I just don't know who else there is right now to go after exactly. the TBS championship. So Ty Conti obviously makes sense. She's been in a lot of things lately. She has been proving, as you said, she, she's got a fan base for sure. Um, but in my opinion, it's it's not realistic. I know Jade's going to win. So, like, what do you do with Jade after that? Like, Jade's kind of like Brock Lesnar. Like, there's nobody realistic to go up against her right now. Um, I'm sure they're going to have somebody soon, but you know, other than Britt Baker, just because she's been champ for so long and has shown that she is the champ. Um, and it's too soon. And you know, the title's too soon to go title for title for that. And Jade's still too green. So yeah, it just feels like they're doing this for right now. This is what they're going to do, but they got to get like more competition. Um, I mean, Thunder Rosa is probably next um, I would believe after if Ty Conti doesn't win, that's that's the only other person that I see. But I know she's trying to go after the AEW championship. But I also think Britt Baker is not losing that title in Revolution. Oh, you're with me too. Ashley thinks she is. I'm 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 full on with my Britt Baker keeping the title. Um, all right, well, let's keep going down the line. Then we had we had Keith Lee being interviewed backstage, except not really because what do you know? He's interrupted. Uh, and the lights turned on and they turned off and then they turned back on and Ricky Starks appeared. That didn't happen. But, um, with Powerhouse Hobbs, I will say if anybody's going to interrupt anybody in an interview, I'm fine if it's Ricky Starks. He made fun of Keith Lee a little bit and, uh, we never got to hear Keith Lee's answer to the question that, uh, uh, what's his name? Alex Marvez asked him. So any, any thoughts before we move on to the main event? Yeah, I, I said, um, on Twitter, I was just like, look at that. Keith Lee says nothing and it's compelling. It's not that hard. It's not because mm-hmm. even though we didn't get to finish his sentence, it's interesting. You got to stare off between Power Hobbs, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Keith Lee. That's a match everybody wants to see. Um, two big dudes just like going at it. Uh, Keith Lee showing up in AEW. I know AEW has been doing a lot of signings lately, but like that was a good pickup. Yeah, I'm curious um, about your thoughts on the debut too. Isaiah Cassidy, the perfect opponent. Yeah, I mean, and Isaiah Cassidy, like, just as a side, like, I don't know much about him, just seeing him AEW, I really, really like him. He um, is awesome in the ring. Um, I enjoy his matches with everybody that he's faced that I have watched him uh, mm-hmm. face off with. But, yeah, uh, Keith, Lee, <laughs> Keith Lee, I was very happy. I was very happy for the dude. Um, he deserves it. Uh, the guy's mm-hmm. super talented. He does things that no human person should be able to do at that size. Um, I think he's got a great persona, you know, quiet big man. 
He's very much like a Mark Henry, you know, when Mark Henry was kind of the quiet, not when he was the bad dude and the hall pain and all this stuff, but like just this big dude who like could do stuff, but you know, he can do moves that Mark Henry could never do. So I was just really happy to see him there. I, the guy's been through a lot. Um, that last run that they put him on in, in WWE is Bearcat Lee. I like, geez, Whew. Like, the poor dude, like, just let him be himself. And he proved walking out there and his music hitting, man, that was a pop. That was a pop and a half. Everybody knew who it was. And he was just being him, you know? So that interview yesterday, yeah, he didn't get a lot of words out, but it was compelling. It was more compelling than anything he did on that main roster in WWE. And I'm interested and want to know, and I want to know what this guy's going to do. Like, again, less is more sometimes. Yeah, yeah, a uh, uh, interrupted interview with Keith Lee was more compelling than anything he did in WWE or main roster, yeah. at least for sure, absolutely. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, and it was such a feel-good moment, especially with all the stuff that the guy has been through in the past year or so, you know, it was it, I, I was it was one of those ones where you're emotional for somebody just because you're so happy for them, and, and you know, I don't know, I'm pretty cold-hearted, so that, was, that takes a lot for, <laughs> for, for, for anybody to do. I'm bad to the bone, clearly. Speaking of bad to the bone... We had our main event, Brian Danielson versus Daniel Garcia, and uh, and I, and I, and all. I'm I'm gonna nerd out about this for a minute, and then I'll throw it over to you. I I just uh, I was so excited for this, and and I know it was a little bit of a last minute thing, but this is like one of my as soon as you know it became possible, this mark the match sparked in my head as a dream match to come, and obviously. I was disappointed not because of the match quality. It was a great match, and it did exactly what it had to do. And we'll talk about the post-match afterwards, which really was the big story. But And they had a lot of great back and forth. The cattle mutilation, I got out of my seat. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be it. And uh, and the story of, 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 you know, similar to the Lee Moriarty match about the violence and, and Daniel Garcia giving him a chop and then Brian Danielson asking for another one. Like, Brian Danielson is doing the best work of his career, <laughs> undoubtedly, right now. But... um. But I, I want an Iron Man match between these two men. Uh, so I was disappointed, but in the best way possible, because I want more, and I, and there is going to be more to come. Hopefully, uh, you know. And I know Brian Danielson is is I think he's forty now, uh, and so hopefully we still got time, you know, on that clock, because I want to see Daniel Garcia versus Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, excuse me, in an Iron Man match. I want to see them go for two hours. Let them wrestle the entire Dynamite, because like my little technical wrestling nerd just like fiends for this kind of stuff. That spot with Lee Moriarty last week uh, on their heads, I'm still not over it. So all in all, this was like A-plus to me. I just, just give me more. Um, before we get to the post-match, you anything to say about the, the match itself? I mean, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. It was an amazing match. Um, Daniel Bryan, oh, dude. He's doing the best work of his career right now. Um, I think he's in the best physical shape of his career right now. Um, He is so focused on making new stars that were like him. Um, You'll get your Daniel Garcia match. I just don't think an iron match is in the card for a little bit. It will happen. Um, I think Daniel Bryan has a lot still go to tank. Um, I'm kind of looking at this run with AEW, like Shawn Michaels when he returned. Like, Daniel Bryan was in WWE, but he wasn't doing what he wanted to do. And, you know, he changed up this stuff, but he was never, you know, there was a point he was Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson, but he was never, you know, he was just never fully there if you, if you watched him in ROH and stuff like that. So I just feel... 
that you'll get your match. It'll probably be, you know, Diego Garcia, super young, um, huge star. I know what he is doing. He is rising. I just don't know if that's in the cards for him right now, but I think that Daniel Bryan is making it his purpose to like wrestle these young guys and show what these guys can do. And that that's what modern wrestling is. And he is, he is, I, I would fist fight somebody about him being the best wrestler on the planet right now. Like I know Omega, but like, man, now he's the best pro wrestler, I think, in that ring, rope, like yeah. in between the ropes. He yeah. is. I'm not talking storytelling, promo, all that nope. other stuff. That's nope. a different. I'm not talking about that either. That's what. Yeah. I, that's. I'm not. You know, and I mean, he's gotten so. You know, he light years from what he used to be on the mic, and he's so much better as a heel. He's so much better as that that guy you just do not want to have a conversation with. Um, and he's just. Uh, he, uh, he, you can tell how happy he is right now with the way that he is performing. And again, I will fist fight like in the ring. And that's why I said Shawn Michaels, you know, yeah. Shawn Michaels always had the persona, but like that second run that Shawn had when he came back. Um, and I know somebody's going to yell at me, but like, how dare you? But I'm just saying likewise, it, it's the second part of his career. And the second part of Shawn Michaels career, I believe is better than the first part of his career. He's just in that zone. And, you know, there's not a lot of people that can be as good as Shawn Michaels in the ring, like ring rope to ring rope, you know, despite if you like him or not. So I, I think you'll get your match. I think Daniel Bryan's got a lot more in the tank, um, at least a good three to five years, I, I would say, as long as he stays healthy. Um, but yeah, man, he's just putting on clinics right now. And it's amazing to watch because I never thought we would see like Daniel Bryan doing that in 2022, especially after he had to retire, you know? Yeah, at least as long as he doesn't have any more matches with Minoru Suzuki, I think you're right. Three to five years sounds about right. Yeah. Um, otherwise, definitely going to shorten that. But um, And then this post-match. This post-match was exactly what it was. Uh, 2.0 comes out to attack Brian Danielson. Weird heel on heel, but I understand why they had to do it. And you guys heard it. It was a wild thing. John Moxley comes out, makes a save, hits the uh, paradigm shift on Daniel Garcia, and then Danielson gets the mic. They get in each other's face. Oh, I forgot to mention, too. Uh, well, so we'll get to it. Danielson and Moxley get in each other's face, and uh, Danielson says if uh, they need to bleed together, he throws a chair to the ropes or whatever and says he doesn't need a chair to make anybody bleed. And if Moxley wants a match at Revolution, he's got it. And then he has this great line, and I'm going to butcher it, but, like, that uh, he thinks that Moxley is going to be the only one bleeding at Revolution. Um, and then early on in the show, from what I saw uh, with the women, with Ty Conti and Jade Cargill, I was waiting for somebody to kiss somebody's forehead. And it didn't happen. <laughs> and then we just went off the air, and I was like, I feel cheated. So I, that's how <laughs> I feel after this whole, you know, undoubtedly one of the greatest storylines going on right now. How do you feel, Mary? Um, the John Moxley, Brian Danielson thing is like what dreams are made of. Cause mm -hmm. it's not in WWE and it's not Dean Ambrose versus Daniel Bryan, you know, um, super stoked for it. I'm sure it's going to be a bloody match. Um, Mox has been, you know, on his A game since he's come back and he was on it before, to be quite honest. I mean, there's really no stopping him right now with his attitude and everything that he's doing and everything that you wanted Dean Ambrose to be in WWE. Uh, and, and now you got 
you know, Brian Danielson being the American Dragon, there, there's there's nothing that can go wrong with this match. Like, if you complain about this match, like, then just go away and, and stop watching wrestling. This is something that people want to see. Yeah, we might have seen it before, but we're not seeing it like this. Sure, it happens somewhere along the Indies, maybe, and, like, it's an obscure match, but this is something that's going to be absolutely nuts and, and you need it. And the outcome of it, you know, do they join forces? Do they not? Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if something happens and they're like running shot on everybody in, in, in AEW. It would be fun to watch, but we will see. Yeah. And no, that's, that's the goal for me. And we get a faction of all these young guys. I don't know, actually, you know what? I, I'm going to stop saying anything. I don't know. I'm just going to be along for the ride for this one. I think that's the best way to just enjoy it as, as, as a fan rather than try to analyze anything. I'm just going to be along the ride because that is how awesome this is. Who would have thought, right, we'd be here. John Moxley looks better than he's ever looked, obviously. God bless him. And, uh, and, and Brian Danielson, who looks like he's in, you know, the prime of his career somehow at 40 years old. So I, I'm give me more matches like this. Keep me wanting more. I, I, I couldn't complain about any of this. Like you said, if, if anybody has any kind of complaints yeah. – you know, go talk to Logan Meyer, 23. Um, that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, I won't get into it, but, um, well, anything else, Mary, before we, any other conspiracies, any, any other, anything before we, uh, before we sign off here? I mean, I have a whole bunch of conspiracies about what's going on with uh, WWE right now, but this isn't a WWE show. It's Thank an you. AEW yes, go to, that's, show. That's the other side of the pond. That's we the have other side of the happy pond. Thoughts happy things. thoughts here. Good things. Happy thoughts here. But I think right now, like, the last, like, three weeks of Dynamite have been solid, um, compelling stuff. It was, it was kind of getting weird for a little bit. It felt yeah. like they were putting pieces in. Um, especially with the Cody Rhodes stuff and like now Cody's gone. So I feel like, you know, everybody has these high expectations for AEW and they should, they have delivered on a lot of occasions, but they still are only three years old. And I still feel they're, they're finding their groove. They're still trying to find their foot step stepping while not going into like, you know, the mistakes that WCW did or anybody else and not falling into WWE. But right now I feel like they have a good course going. There might be some things that are a little off, but the last three weeks I feel have been like really solid shows for them. And Revolution stacked, dude. I like that's going to be a phenomenal pay-per-view. I'm like super excited for it. Yeah, you, me, and everybody else can curse Ashley Mann from, uh, from our TVs at home. Uh, while she enjoys the show live, because like you said, yeah, that show was packed. And I do, I think Dynamite's been on, uh, Dynamite's been Dynamite lately. Um, and as long as they, uh, as long as they don't hire Vince Russo, I'll, I'll, I won't wave the white flag. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. Well, thank you, Mary, again. I, I appreciate, um, you, you getting on here and talking. Please, please come back anytime. Welcome, you're welcome. Oh my God, I had so much fun. I'm glad, yeah. I like talking wrestling with a girl. Oh, well, <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad I could be the gender for you. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Revolution, you know, uh, WrestleMania's whole tag, what is it? It's like the most spectacular, stupendous, it's a, some weird word, isn't it? Wait, for what? The tagline for Revolution? Re WrestleMania this year. Oh, Wrestle. I don't know. It's stu I think it's stupendous <laughs> or something, right? Well, you, I think you just came up with the uh, tagline for uh, Revolution, and it is, what this is what dreams are made of. Yeah. Um, absolutely, because I'm, I'm I'm living out my little wrestling fan dreams uh, in this show. I, I can't I can't wait for all the stuff that's coming uh, down the pike. So please, maybe we'll have you both on for the preview show, um, and uh, and I'll have to get you back on maybe for the review show because 
like I said, Ashley will be too tired from enjoying herself at what seems to be one of the greatest pay-per-views coming up. So, um, before we go, socials, all that stuff. I'm, that's my new thing. I'm saying socials now because I'm hip. Because uh, you're hip. You're mm-hmm. hip. That's what the cool kids that's say. That's the today. cool kids. Uh, that's the twenty-year-old is saying these days. The socials, you fire. <laughs> um, you can follow me at mayor m a r e underscore bear at b a r e like bear like naked, not like a bear girl. I always say that because people get confused. Um, and at poppins through eleven on Instagram, but I'm more so on Twitter than Instagram. So sometimes you'll get like a random picture from me, but you know, Twitter is where it's at. Yeah, I'm still new to the Twitter, but you can follow the tweeter. Uh, you can follow me at Mimi Burris, too, if you want. And, uh, and Mary, thanks again so much. We'll have you back on as soon as possible. Okay, thank you so much. I had so much fun. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.